Hi, this is Pastor Rick. I want to talk to you today about something that's really important, your financial destination. Where are you going? How do you drive yourself toward the right financial destination? This study is so practical and so helpful that it will lift you and give you an inspiration to believe in your future and God's desire for your future. It's really good stuff. It's not about giving. It's not a sermon about giving money. I'm not against giving, but churches, as I always say, are not the best place to learn how to manage your money. They teach you how to give money, but not how to build wealth. And this is about building wealth. So stay with me today. It's going to be great. Matthew 7 is going to be one of our great texts. Luke chapter 14 is going to be another good text we're going to talk about today. You're going to love this. It's going to help you. And if you know somebody that's broke, let take this sermon. I'll link it and send it to them and watch it change their lives too. You be blessed and enjoy the message. I'll be back to pray for you at the end, so enjoy. I want to take you on a journey now that I think would be helpful to you as we talk about the importance of something that's been on my mind. I have always found it, some things to be difficult to talk about, and one of them in church is money. Wealth building and that, that whole conversation somehow gets lost and confusing. There are a lot of good people who want to serve God, but they're not sure how they can serve God and have a, an abundant life. But the Bible is clear that God is not against that. He really cares about your life and the balance in your life. But what I want to do is take a step back and I want to take you down a journey, down a road here we've been on. And it's called the new wine of prosperity. This is part two in the study. And the first sermon, I, I talked about the importance of picking a destination, saying this is where I want to go. And being really clear about that. Today, we're going to talk about driving, driving toward that destination. And I want you to start with the Luke chapter 14. I want to show you a verse. It's in verse 28. And it's a simple text, but it's the text I used in the beginning of the series to help you understand something. Now, I want to be clear about this. This is about you. This is about where you're going, getting in your car, setting your GPS and saying, this is what I want my life to be. This is not about Ricky Temple. This is about you. And sometimes it's got to be about you. It's got to be, it must. This conversation cannot always be about your children. It cannot always be about your husband, your wife or anybody else. Just you. I want to know what you are doing to build wealth, build a future for yourself. I've seen people to get old they get frustrated. I don't have life. I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, what did you plan? What, what, what did you set on your GPS? Your, 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 where, where did you say, OK, I'm going to set my global positioning on these, these coordinates. This is where I want to go. This is what I want to make. This is what I want my life to look like. This is how I want to look physically. This is, this is my life. If you can take your life in your hand and think about it that way, think about your, your, your life. I, I, I know how important it is to care about other people. And sometimes in this job as a pastor, that, that becomes the, the consuming fire. I, I'm caring about everybody else, but I'm not thinking about me. And that can be dangerous. Because you're the one depressed, you're the one frustrated, and especially when it comes to your wealth and resources long term. I see a lot of people who, when they get to certain ages, they're fighting just to survive because they didn't think about themselves all their life. They thought about their children, they thought about their family, but they never took care of themselves. So here you are, out of shape. Here you are, carrying more weight than you want to carry. I say that in love. Here you are, just your bones hurt, your neck hurt, your back hurt, your lips even hurt. Everything hurts, and you're not thinking about you yet. So maybe you should stop. And think about yourself for just a minute. And so here's what I want to do. I want to pray because for some of you, that's a mountain to cross. Just that right there. You can't get past that. So let me, let me pray for you today before we get started. Father, help us today. Not be afraid to think about ourselves. To not be afraid to think about our future and where we're going. Help us to embrace this moment 
as we take these few minutes to just look at our lives and say, where am I going? What is my destination? Where am I driving my life to when it comes to my wealth and my resources? In Jesus name. Amen. Now, open your Bible to Luke chapter 14, verse 28. I'm going to read a verse to you, and I want you to think about this verse. Here's what we, where we started last week. Here's what it says. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Imagine that. Imagine coming to a moment when you realize I can't get what I wanted out of life. Everything is frustrating. Some of you say, I don't know. I'm there already, Pastor Rick. <laughs> I'm there already. Here's what I said last time. And this is what this is sort of the foundation. I want to put it on the screen for you. Listen to what I wrote last time. Here we go. Last time we touched on the importance of picking a financial destination and focusing on the truth about your financial condition. I highlighted the fact that the average American has three thousand five hundred dollars in savings. Also, the average retirement income in 2019 was $23,292 for whites compared to $16,000 there about for blacks and $13,000 for Latinx. Now, think about that for a minute. Just, just in our last study, I talked about the fact that you don't have any money. And if you do have money, you have very little to live off of, whether you're white, black, or Latina. There's a temptation for us to not think about building long-term wealth. Now, I know if you've got any amount of money at any age, it's a blessing to have something. And, and around the world, those numbers would be good for some people in the, in the world. But just so you understand, that's not where most of you plan to be. Most of you wanted more than that. And some of you say, Pastor Rick, I'm not even doing that good. And so here's what you got to do. Four things to fix that. You ready? Four things I've been talking about in this series. Number one, pick a destination. You got to say, OK, that's what I want to do. I want to change my death, my life and I want to go that way. I want to be at this level of income. I want to make sure I'm at this level of wealth. I want to be able to do th these things. So pick a destination. Where do you want to go? And that's really important for you to do as a leader. If you've got a business, if you've got your family, this is where we want to be right here. And these are the things I'm going to do to get there. So in order to do that, number two, I got to drive toward that destination. So you pick a destination, then you drive toward it. I want to lose 20 pounds. I'm, okay, I got to drive toward it. What am I going to eat? How am I going to adjust my eating, my exercise habits, my, my meditation habits? I tend to get depressed. Okay, I want to stop being depressed. I got to drive toward that. So, so pick a destination, drive toward it. And here's the third one. You're ready? Get comfortable with it. You've got to be comfortable with the destination. We'll talk about that next time. But the importance of being okay with what you want. It, 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 and I think it's really important to be clear. God's not, you'll see in a minute, bothered by you having a big dream. But you've got to decide to pick a destination. You, you, not God, you, you. I'm praying for the Lord's will. No, that's not how it works. Ask and you'll see in a minute. You've got to learn how to ask for something. You've got to learn to seek for things. We'll see that in just a second. Thirdly, watch this now. Be comfortable. Then fourthly, you've got to teach your kids. So number one, pick a destination. Number two, drive toward that destination. Number three, get comfortable with it and say, okay, I'm uncomfortable with this destination. I'm comfortable with my dream and my plan. I'm not, I'm not going to apologize to anybody for my success or my ambition. I'm, I'm comfortable. And number four, once I get it, I'm going to teach it to my family. It's going to become part of our family culture. Now, there are four things that I want to talk about today that will help you drive to your financial destination. There's four simple principles. And I think these things are incredibly easy. Easy to apply if you just take it in. They're wrapped around Matthew chapter 7, 
one of my favorite verses, verse 7. And in this text, there's a simple guide that he gives, starting at verse 7. Look at the text. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks the door will absolutely be opened. But three things are required. The first thing is you've got to set a specific destination. That's the first thing. Remember to set a specific destination. Matthew 7 says that. Ask specifically. Seek specifically. And knock on that door. Be specific. This is what I'm asking for. This is what I'm seeking for. And this is this is what this is the door I'm going to knock on. These are the three things I want. Take that in, man. If you can start being clear, I, I talk to people all the time about what they want and they're not always clear. When I ask them, I say, well, what do you what do you want to do? I want to be a lawyer. Well, what law firm do you want to work for? What part of the country do you want to live in? Be specific. Ask, seek and knock. If you don't know who's going to know for you, just think this be clear. What gets church people off is they, they make it so spiritual. I got to ask God, Lord, what, what law firm should I work on? Listen, do your research. I love the fact that God told Adam, he said, name the animals, name them. You name them. You are involved in this process as you are co-laborer with God in Christ. You are you are in this fight. You're not, it's not just him. He sent you a comforter, the Bible says in John, to, to come alongside you, Paracletos, someone to come alongside you and help you. He's a comforter. He's not going to drive your whole life. He's not going to show you a good man and you pick one. No, you got to learn how to recognize a turkey. Gobble, gobble. You got to learn how to say that's not good. That's bad. This is smart. That's dumb. You got it's called wisdom, knowledge. And there's a point where you've got to pick a destination. You got to say, I'm asking God for that. Now, let's say you're wrong. He'll show you my little little thing. I say all the time, he'll guide you as you go. But you've got to go someplace. Second thing you got to do. Watch this now. Remember, God's desire is to do you well. God wants to do you well. Look at verse verse nine, which of you, Matthew seven, verse nine, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, you're evil, but you give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him now? So think about this. If God is if you want to know what God's plan is. Sorry for your life. It's very simple. Good things. John 10 and 10 says the enemy comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But God comes to give you life and give you life. Big statement now. More abundantly. He wants you to have an incredible life. God doesn't care about you having an incredible life. He wants you to have an incredible life. Like I want my kids to have one. The issue is that I need to make sure that I'm clear. That I need to be, be the kind of person who understands who I'm dealing with. God wants good stuff for me. And I, and I, I just can't say that enough. But there's a challenge. <laughs> whenever you decide to do this, whenever you decide to focus, whenever you decide, okay, I'm clear about what I want to do. I am focused. I'm aiming in this direction. I'm asking for these things. Oh, man. Wow. Okay. When you get started, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be, you're going to be unique. Ver verse 13 makes a statement about that decision. And, he, and what you're going to see is when you strive to make a change, Remember, you're going to be in the minority. You're going to be it's going to be different when you decide to do this. I'm going this way and I'm not going to I'm not going to detour. Watch verse 13. Here's what he says. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate 
and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few, few find it. Pretty powerful. I love the way it's worded in the Greek language. The idea is that it's not just a narrow gate, it's a narrowing. It, it kind of does this as you go. And I found that the more I do, the more I commit to God, the more sacrifices I make, the more you focus your life, the narrowing it will be. Fewer friends, fewer opportunities to communicate. Sometimes you just can't come out to play. That's my little saying. Sometimes people reach out to me and I say, I can't come out to play right now. I've got things I've got to do, deadlines I, I must meet because I have a goal. Wealth building goal, emotional goal, health goal. I have a goal. Do you have one? But you have to understand, wealth is not just money. That's part of it. Wealth is all of your life being balanced. It's having your life clean. It's having organiz organizing your life so you feel wealthier, healthier, strong. Finances are a big part of that. I understand that. But it's important for you to be clear that, that if you have money, but you're disorganized and everything's still scattered all around your life, you've missed the point. And God's goal is to help you understand how this works. These are principles that help you understand how to organize. I'm going to be different when I make this decision. My whole family may be out of control, but this is what I'm doing. I'm not going to hang out at the club like that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be sleeping all around the world. I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm, I'm going to narrow this down, which means I have fewer people to pick from. I have a few. <laughs> so you say, I know about that, Pastor Rick. When you make certain decisions, you got to decide how important this is to you. Is marriage more important than your integrity? Is, is sleeping around more important to you than your own self-image? What's more important to you? you got to weigh that out. You're going to be different if you decide to not do what others do. And you may have some moments when you have to be isolated. One of the great sermons I did recently that I like a lot when I talked about isolation. And that in order for you to be successful, one of the big surprises is isolation. Moments of aloneness. Learning how to manage boredom. Learning how to entertain yourself. How to be self-entertaining. There's something about that. It's something about being clear. I, got, I can't allow myself to get so distracted that I lose sight of my life. Because what you end up being is being an angry, frustrated person. I laugh ain't what it needed to be. Well, what'd you do? Remember. And then the fourth thing I want to talk about that I want you to remember is this. You have the ability to be deceived. You can be deceived. You can be deceived. People can fool you. Man, this is a good one. Verse 15. Watch what he says. Watch out for false prophets. They come in sheep clothing, but inwardly, boy, they're like ravenous wolves. And I think what's really important about that is sometimes if you're not careful, you will forget that. You will forget how powerful and true that is. Let me read it for you again. Watch out for false prophets. This is chapter Matthew 7, verse 15. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious, ravenous. One version says wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do not do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears. What kind of get look at that bad fruit? A good tree cannot be cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Remember that. There's something simple here that can really help you. Acknowledge that you can be tricked. Just acknowledge it. I can be tricked and fall into wrong assumptions, which is what I want to talk about next. Man, wrong assumptions are amazing. A lot of times when you talk about wealth to people, you talk about Christians who are trying to you know, build wealth. One of the problems is the way they've been trained to think works against them. 
So they're trying to ask for something, seek something, knock on certain doors. But because they have certain assumptions, and these are really bad assumptions. They, and I want to read something to you. I just wrote it up for you. Just, just, I'm putting it on the screen so you can see this. Listen to what I wrote. Christians are often trained to resist entrepreneurial prosperity because of conflicting theological messages. It's not always the preacher's intent to leave people with the wrong assumption. Wealth resistance seems to be embedded in the culture and never discussed. Preaching to people you never personally talk to can cause a number of cultural misperceptions to occur. Sometimes they hear a message but don't know how to balance a conflicting concept. Now, here's what all that means. You preach to people, you talk to people, and you say things, but it's a one-way conversation. So they never get to ask you a question. Now, Jesus didn't do it that way. The disciples would ask Jesus questions. They'd say, hey, can I ask you something? I'm not sure what you mean by that. <laughs> and he would explain. He would explain. Here's what I mean. Are you the kind of person who's really um, kind of living in a bubble and you're not really clear because you can't ask. I had a great question asked to me the other day in one of our open uh, sessions we had with our members. And uh, the person was asking about tithing. And they said, well, you know, Pastor, I want to tithe, but I'm having this challenge financially. So what do you think? How do I balance my need to pay these people in my tithe and my offerings? I mean, she said, I'm better now. I'm doing really a lot better. But I had a season when I, I feel guilty because I haven't been able to do what I wanted to do. I said, here, start where you are. See, she's got a conflict. She's trying to obey God, right? Trying to pay the people she owes, but yet she's trying to honor God first. So what do you do? That's the conflict I'm talking about. And because you can't ask a question because it's a one-way <laughs> it's a one-way lifestyle, I talk to you, you, you try to figure it out on your own. You can't come and say, can I ask you a question? Jesus did that with the disciples. They could ask him. People need to be able to ask you. I told her, start where you are and build it where you want to be. Start where you are. You know, if you can't tithe right now, start with 2%, 3%, 5%, 6%, 8%. God is not, God gets your circumstance. What was really great was to hear her talk about how God's helped her and she's doing well now and going in the right direction. But the bigger question when you face that is not about the tithe. See, let me tell you, you can get stuck on that. You need to tithe. You need, no, the bigger question is why are all the people in your church struggling so much financially that they can't tithe, they can't give? What is it? Maybe the issue is not the tithe, it's the wealth attitude. Maybe they need some guidance and some help to become stronger so they can help you and help, help the kingdom. But if they don't have resources, they can't. There's something about this that's powerful if you get it. If you stop for a minute and say, let's not fuss at the family members because they, they don't give. Why don't they have money? Have we in this family taught people about wealth and how to develop resources? Or have we just assumed they should know? Take that in for a minute. I always tell people, you know, I'm a big believer in giving kids allowances. And I know some people don't, but I am. My, my argument is, how can they manage with nothing? How they go all through all their life. Well, you got to earn it. You got to you know, make the bed up. You got to understand all that. OK, I, I don't know that I agree with that argument anyway, personally, you know, because God gave Adam and Eve a planet, a whole planet for free. No mortgage. But, no, so we can argue the point, that, you know, you got to make them earn it. And I'm not saying they shouldn't. But I think you should clean up your house because you live in it. And I think you should, you know, do those things because you, you're around us. But I believe in giving people something to manage because when they get out of here, listen, it's coming, college, age, when they get out of your home, they're always calling because they don't know how to manage their money. 
and you've not been invested in wealth development, wealth building. And some of your kids are grown and you need to have a meeting and kind of come to grips with, okay, you're always borrowing money. Everybody's always in trouble. Let's see if we can come together and develop a wealth building strategy and deal with our conflicts, the things that we're struggling with. But if you have a concept that says, oh boy, it's my life and your life, you deal with it, you're grown, and everybody has this mindset, well, that's a, that's a perception, that's a viewpoint that leads to a, 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 a tremendous amount of confusion. So I, I believe families should work together when it comes to money. I really do. I believe, I believe there's something about that. Let me read this part again to you. I want to start over again. I want you to hear this. Christians are often trained to resist entrepreneurial prosperity because of conflicting theological messages. And in families, we do the same thing. Families, we, 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 we do the same thing. Conflicting messages, which leads to wrong assumptions. That, that's an important balance. And if you, could, if you could just understand that you're confusing people, you're telling them to be diligent, to be disciplined, but yet on the other hand, the message is one thing, but the conflict is, is, is confusing them. So if, if I want my family to do better, I have to train them differently. I have to train them in, in a different way entrepreneurially. I have to say, okay, look, um, we, we did not teach you to do this. We just told you, you know, pay your bills. Okay, but we didn't show you how to pay your bills. Um, as a church, we told you to give to God, but we didn't tell you how to get money. We didn't tell you how to build wealth. So there's this conflict. And, and it, it, it leads people to this incredible place where they can't quite put it together. I'll give you a couple of examples in the Bible. Matthew 6 says, verse 18, that what you should do is you should um, seek, not seek treasures on the earth. Set your affections on things above, right? So you think, okay, that's what, I, that, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's, that's what I'm supposed to do. Fo focus on heaven. Then the Bible says, watch this now, Luke chapter 6, verse 38, but you should give. So, okay, if I'm focused on the things on the earth, right, and my mind is just on the, the things here, and, and, and I'm sorry, I got that inverted. Um, <laughs> you know what I love about preaching? I love when you preach and you find yourself in that spot and you say, now, what did you say? Let me say it again. Here you go. Luke, Matthew 6, verse, verse 18. We're told to seek treasures in heaven, not on the earth. That's how it goes. See, I just confused you. That's a good example. You, you set your affections on things in heaven, not on the earth. As a matter of fact, why not just do this? Matthew chapter 6, verse 18. You know, one of the things about this whole season of life when we're together like this, if we was in church, I would just say, child, please, let me start again. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 18. I'm going to turn to it real quick and show you the verse. Here we go. So here's what he says. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. I'm sorry. Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and, and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin uh, do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So here's what we tell people. We say, okay, think about heaven. That's what I meant to say, okay? Think about heaven. But then in Luke 6, 38, we tell people, given it shall be given unto you. So if you're thinking about heaven, you're not thinking about your money. You're not thinking about anything here on the earth. You're thinking just about heavenly stuff. And if you're thinking just about heavenly stuff, here's the problem with that. Heavenly stuff is not all there is to life. And so people are conflicted. They're not sure exactly how to balance all that out. They're not sure how to put this with that. 
And so the conflict leads them to say, well, I'm all heavenly minded. I'm all heavenly minded. It's all about Jesus. It's all about God. It's not about anything else. I'm all about going to heaven and serving God and doing God's will. So a lot of churches are like that and they don't have any money. They don't have any resources. They don't have any resources. They're not saving any money. They're basically just living. They're not building wealth and resources at all. And that conflict. So I want you to see this. The conflict I'm describing is not just something that happens in church. It happens in your home, happens in your business. You're in business, but you have a conflict. You're so focused on ministry and serving and your your business is a ministry. You, you see your business is a ministry and you're not trying to build wealth. And so what happens is you watch this now. Your family's confused, right? Your your your, your business is confused, right? Your church is confused. You're just all confused. And, and you, you, you can't see that part of it is because you have a, here's a big word, ready? Misconception. I have had misconceptions. I thought God just wanted me to worship him and think about heaven. Wrong. I have to build resources here in order to do long-term work. This principle really is powerful if you think about it and step back and say, okay, have I been misperceiving some things here? Have I been communicating in a way that leaves people with a wrong perception? They're, I'm trying to get them to give to a building fund. Or I'm trying to get them to give to a cause. But I have I've confused them. They don't they don't have the resource to help me do what I want to do or what we need to do in this family or this business or in anything because I've created the wrong environment. And sometimes when you communicate in ways that confuse people. They just don't do well. You tell them on one hand, you said the Bible says in Proverbs chapter three, verse six, trust the Lord with all your heart. But then the Bible also says in Philippians chapter two, verse 12, work out your own soul salvation. They go, which is it? Do I work out my own stuff or do I just wait for God to give me a you know, blessing? What, 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 what do I do? So here's what you have, to, you have to learn to do. Teach in a way that's balanced. God wants you to do both. There's some things you do on your own. There's a responsibility that I have. It's an old statement that I used to love, a sermon I did a long, long time ago. Nowhere, your responsibility, your, God's responsibility ends, yeah, and yours begins. So God says, okay, I get you to Third Street, but everything else after that is your responsibility. You, you, it is, you trust the Lord, that's true. I want you to think about heaven, but I want you to make sure that you're a person who understands the importance of giving. I want you to know how to do both. You have two hands. I want you to see the power of balance. In my opinion, that's one of the biggest issues with all the confusion we see. Christians can't see how to balance things out. And I see that even in our political arenas. It's hard to balance things out for people. They can't see both sides. They have to see only one side. One way, one interpretation, and that's all there is. I want to close with this final thing. When you get balanced, when you finally settle in and you go in the right direction, there's one important thing you've got to do. You know what that is? Don't forget the Lord. I love Deuteronomy chapter 8 because Deuteronomy chapter 8 makes it plain. Listen to what he says in verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with flowing streams and springs and underground waters welling up in a valley and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and figs, fruit trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land where you may eat uh, bread without scarcity, where you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and from whose hills you may mine copper. You shall eat your fill and bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. The Lord promises to provide. Remember that. 
Boy, I'll tell you, when you get there, remember, this is what he, he promised he'd give you. Some of you are there right now in the middle of it. You're in the middle of a promised land of opportunity. Some of you are going there. You're building toward that. But here's what he says when you get there. Remember me. Don't forget me. Deuteronomy chapter 10, 8, verse 11. Take care that you do not forget the Lord your God by, by failing to keep his commandments, his ordinances and his statutes, which I'm commanding you today. When you have eaten your fill and have built fine houses and live in them. Wow. <laughs> and when your herds and your flocks and have multiplied and your silver and your gold and your mutual funds and all that stuff, all that you have is multiplied. Then you then do not exalt yourself for getting the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You know, one of the great temptations is once you get the job, you get the career, you forget God, you forget church, you forget you forget serving God, you forget to tithe, you forget to honor God, you forget everything. It's all about you. You're on some journey where you think like you got there on your own and you forgot the times that God helped you through. People helped you through. Your friends helped you through. Now you're in this island all by yourself. And let me tell you something, my friend. That's not what you want. Where are you driving? You're driving toward a destination. Where are you headed? Where's your car going right now? Have you forgotten the Lord, forgotten everybody, forgotten what's important, forgotten yourself? You're so focused on your career and your job, you've forgotten you. Every now and then you got to pause, pull a car over, as I always say, and think about your life and think about what you're doing to yourself and where you're headed. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that this would be a moment when you rethink this whole thing. Rethink your life. Get in the car. Pick a destination. Drive toward it. Ask, seek, and knock. Don't forget God. Don't get lost. Deal with your misconceptions. Deal with the things you've got wrong, the confusing moments in your life when you get all twisted up and you forget whether you're going up or down. Settle down. Settle down. It's time for us as a nation to do that. Settle down. Just settle down now. Breathe in, church. Breathe in, believers. Breathe in, America. Breathe in. And let's go forward together. We need to do that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time together. I pray that everything we've talked about is helpful as we drive toward a new financial destination, a new destination in our life, building wealth, building balance, building maturity. Help us to not lose sight of who we are, or where we're going. I pray for those who don't know you as Savior. Some have never even thought about their walk with you in a long time. Let this be that transforming moment in Jesus name. Well, I pray that you have got that down now in your soul. Isn't it a great thought? If you'd make sure that you don't forget God, if you make sure that you don't fall into those theological assumptions that get you off track, where your thinking gets all twisted up and you can't figure things out, it's just good to understand that God really wants you to be okay in your head. Because if you're gonna build wealth, you have to be okay in your head. You can't allow yourself to be all confused and scrambled and you, you don't know how to ask, seek, and knock. You're just not focused. This could be the message that helped you get at where your mind was aimed like a laser beam at what you were trying to do. You know what you want to ask for. You know what to seek for. You know what doors to knock on. And so it can lead to greater wealth, greater opportunity in your life. It's all about balance in your life, and it makes a huge difference when you get it right. So let me pray for you. Father, I pray that what we've talked about today has helped them to focus their mind and their attention. It's all about trusting you and doing the right thing and being clear in our hearts and minds and not being fearful. So I pray this sermon has inspired them to trust you and build the wealth they need and to aim their life, to pick a destination and then drive toward it with confidence and faith in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for being with me on demand. Thanks for letting me pray with you today. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. I want to thank you for being a part of our on-demand family. And I hope if you join us next time, listen, if this message helped you, link it and send it to a friend. We'll see you next time. 
have a great day. Bye-bye.